This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dojo Live. I am Tulio Siragusa, broadcasting from Southern California, and I'm joined by Carlos Ponce in Cuernavaca, Mexico, and Kim Lantis in Hermosillo, Mexico. Pleasure to be here as ever, Tulio. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi. welcome back, guys. And we have our guest, Maor Goldberg, who is the CEO of A Policy, who is in uh, Silicon Valley. He's uh, broadcasting from the Bay Area. Welcome to the show, Maur. Hey, glad to be here. Excellent. So we're going to be talking today about security and compliance, uh, DevOps, and DevSecOps. I thought I was reading Cyclops. I was like, we're talking about Cyclops <laughs> today? What's going on today? No, but before going to the topic, I promise it won't be boring. Uh, let's get to know Maur a little bit. Please tell us about yourself, introduce yourself, and then we'll ask you about a policy as well. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. So uh, my name is Mark Goldberg. I'm based in the Bay Area, <clears throat> and I'm in, in the software enterprise software industry for about 20-plus years now. I uh, started my career as a mainframe software system engineer, uh, doing lots of DB2 and, and PL1 and, and all of that good stuff, working on that big black box that hits in the data center. The days uh, of but- green screen, green screen, huh? It was a green terminal. So uh, <laughs> when I started, it wasn't an actual terminal. It was a virtual terminal. But but yes, it was very, very green. <laughs> <laughs> so after spending a few years, um, I, I started working on a more open environment, initially on CRM projects, and then a transition to more of a IT and security roles. And, and I spent the bulk of my time since the early 2000s working uh, in the security industry. Uh, back when we called it uh, information security, before it was cyber security, um, it was still the days when you had to actually convince people that it's a good idea to spend money and invest in protecting their information and, and business application. Uh, today, it seems pretty clear to everyone. Um, in 2007, I founded a company called Whitebook Security that actually helped large organizations identify and protect sensitive information. This this company was acquired in 2015 by CellPoint Technologies, um, a leader in the identity and access uh, management space. And uh, recently, about 18 months ago, uh, founded a policy together with the same uh, founders of uh, Whitebook Security. So um, definitely fun working together with my team. Yeah, fantastic. It's, uh, it's always good to uh, do it again with the same team. It gets things done faster that way, right? Tell us about a policy. What gave birth to this idea and what is it that you guys do? So uh, I'm coming from a very traditional enterprise space, right? I started my career as a main system mainframe programmer. And during my security years, um, we we evolved and built a practice around how do we protect business applications and digital services. In the last few years, we're seeing a pretty dynamic or pretty dramatic uh, transition to cloud-native technologies. So for us, really, uh, we wanted to first and foremost learn why everyone is so excited about containerized workloads and, and Kubernetes and, and cloud-native and really why these 
set of technologies are being adopted in such unprecedented pace relative to anything I've seen in my 20 years uh, in, in this industry. And I think we've learned that, you know, first and foremost, there are very good reasons for organizations to adopt cloud native technologies. You can ship your software faster, you can uh, scale easier, uh, you can uh, utilize your cloud resources uh, better. But the second thing that we've learned is that the move to cloud native is really about building software differently. And that way of building software differently really impacts the way uh, security and compliance need to address, uh, security, and, security and compliance teams needs to address security and compliance in this new world. Uh, and just with speaking with customers and organizations who are doing that, uh, we, we've identified the challenge and we decided to try and tackle that. So what's, just before we go into the topic very quickly, what's the challenge between securing an enterprise application and one on the cloud? Is one where you're completely in control of your fate, the, i.e. the enterprise, and the other you're not totally in control because there's a third party managing that? Is that the distinction at the most elementary level? So, so that's definitely one point, but specifically with, with cloud native, First, cloud native not always runs on public cloud. Lots of organizations are adopting cloud native technologies like Kubernetes, and they actually run it on-prem. They're using mm -hmm. technologies from Red Hat OpenShift or VMware that allows them to run cloud native technologies on their um, own data center. The really big change is about how we are building these new software and digital services. And these changes, the, the fact that we are building faster, the fact, the fact that these environments are, are much more dynamic relative to traditional workloads, and the fact that there is much more control in the heads of developers and DevOps teams today, and they're doing a lot of what IT and security used to do in the past, this really change, kind of uh, change the game for security and compliance teams. Uh, and this is really the challenge, uh, just the, the way these uh, um, teams that are building, uh, the way that the, the teams that are building cloud native software uh, works. I'll give you an example. Um, 15 years ago, when I used to be a security officer, uh, a software uh, um, team comes to us and they're telling us uh, in six months, we're going to release a new version of our software. It's a payment solution. Uh, these are going to be the attributes. We had six months to think about, okay, we need to, to ha have meetings and think about this, this new software and how we're going to protect it and uh, what tools do we need to buy and, and what servers do we need to install. And we had lots of times to prepare ourselves. And also we had full control of everything. Eventually we've installed servers and, and network security stuff and whatever we told the software engineer, this is where you're going to put your code. And that was that today organizations are not releasing software once or twice a year. They're releasing software once or twice a day. So for security teams, they don't have this time to think about what does it mean to secure this software? How are we going to protect it? Everything happens dramatically faster and they need to be able to uh, respond much faster. Great, let's go right into the topic and dig in a little bit more. I wanna learn some more about what APOLS is doing to address that issue, but uh, Carlos, please, let's introduce the show. After you unmute yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, this also becomes a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. 
And you know, that's that's a problem when you're overloaded with medication. It's like, what is it that I'm doing, right? <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, well first for those of all, listening on the podcast, Carlos is on a sling. He got hurt playing sports. Go ahead. Uh, absolutely. Here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, Maur, thanks for, for joining us today. Um, bear with me one second, please. I have a technical difficulty here. But I need to. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, Maur, first of all, thank you for, for joining us today. Well, it seems that you have um, chosen quite a topic for for today, right? So we're going to be speaking about security and compliance automation for DevOps and DevSecurity Ops. We're going to be discussing how to fuse security and compliance into the cloud-native pipeline. So uh, the first question that I have for you, Maur, is why did you choose this particular topic and why did you feel it was relevant for today's day and age? Let's start with that, please. Yeah, so uh, as I said, um, organizations are building software differently. They need to bring their security and compliance practices and processes into this new world uh, and new digital services. Luckily today, uh, you don't need to convince most of the organization uh, out there that they need to invest in security and compliance. Uh, everyone's aware of why it's important and data breaches happen almost on a daily basis. So we got past that point, but they ask themselves, okay, how do we transition our existing security and compliance uh, processes into these new cloud native environments. So that's really the challenge. It's, it's, it's not about do we need to secure, but how are we going to secure these new environments? And because, as I described uh, earlier, because these environments are highly dynamic, highly automated, and in the end of the day, these are software delivery pipelines that take software from source to production and automatically deploy them rapidly on a daily basis, you can no longer address security just in your production environment, right? When security five, 10 years ago was about our crown jewels. We have our data centers, we have our production environment. This is what we need to protect. Today in the cloud native environments to focus on the production environment is is basically, or to identify risks on the production environment is basically identifying these risks too late. So you need to be much early on in the process. You hear a lot about, you need to shift left security uh, these days. We think that you need to look at ATA policy. We think that you need to look at your um, cloud native pipeline from source to production and address all of its aspects holistically and equally. Thank you, Mauro. So how are companies doing that today? Let's talk about how they're managing that today in cloud-native environment. And then what's the change that a policy introduces? So what we're seeing today as organizations transition to cloud-native environment are a lot of do-it-yourself uh, ad hoc solutions. Um, right. They're building new software. They're building new digital services. Uh, here comes the security officer. Here comes the compliance officers. And you're asking them, how, how are we making sure that we are releasing this in a safe environment? And and, they, and and honestly, in most cases, they scramble for answers. They, well, we will do this manually and we'll put something there and then we'll have this report and maybe we'll use this open source. So a lot of uh, ad hoc do-it-yourself type uh, solutions. For many, it was okay to start because they're just moving to cloud-native environment. It's still new. They understand they need to adopt their processes 
and uh, uh, tools to these new environments. So, so it's okay, but they're now getting to the point that they need to scale, they need to automate, and it's no longer okay. So organizations are actually proactively looking for solutions to help them protect uh, these cloud native environments. And um, hopefully we will be in the right place in the right time. All right, so let's just play this out a little bit. Imagine an agile uh, a team. <clears throat> they're writing the story for their sprint and they're preparing for what they're going to release for the week. Perhaps it's a bi-weekly sprint or it's a weekly sprint. So, and then they go through the process, they release it, they, Q, they, they QA, they release it. So in that whole spectrum of the time of planning all the way through the execution, where does a policy come into play? How are you introducing a change to how that's done? Because security usually is done at the end of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> at the end of that. So what are you suggesting and how does this the platform facilitate what you're suggesting? That, that, that's a great question. So uh, first and foremost, as the engineering uh, teams work may, and make changes to their uh, source code, in particular, as they make changes to their infrastructure as code uh, manifest, which is a big part of what of, of the tools or of the stack that organizations are using today, things like Terraform and Helm charts and customize and all of that good stuff. So as they make changes to these manifests or, or, or as they introduce new capabilities, we are there on their Git repositories. We are checking the source code to make sure that when they make changes, they're in line with their security policies and they're not introducing new risks. So if someone is changing something, we will be there on their GitHub to tell them this is this new change is going to create mm. this risk in your production environment. And we're going to show them how to resolve mm. or how to remediate the risk right there and then. So our goal is not only to highlight an issue, but also to help them quickly address and fix the issue as quickly as possible. That's so, one point. So if we look so, at this sort of a rudimentary example, like, I don't know, you're building a brick wall, if you want to think about it that way. Traditionally, the wall's built, is it safe? And here you are looking at each brick. Go, put it on. Go, put it on. Like, is that kind of an analogy? Well, we could it's a little. To? It's a little beyond that, right? What I'm hearing is like someone goes in, does QA, finds a bug, and someone retraces that bug, does a change, but that change may not be secure. It's as if like you found a brick that's a little cracked. You take the brick out, you put a new brick in, but you didn't actually check to make sure that the new brick holds up with the integrity of the entire wall. So what the what I'm hearing is that the platform goes in and rechecks everything to make sure whatever change is done, even if it was a last minute change or fix, holds up, holds water for what's needed. Is that what I'm, what we're hearing? Yeah, I'm going to use this. I mean, that's wall, pretty cool. Uh, this this brick wall <laughs> example in the future, but uh, it's a good example. <laughs> it's a good example. It's a little bit of both, right? So you're adding a brick. You want to make sure that. Um, you're doing it in the right way. You're changing an existing brick. That that's that happens a lot in software development processes. So you want to make sure that as you replace the brick, you're not impacting the the, the integrity of the entire wall. So uh, I'm definitely going to use that. Um, so yes, we're famous for introducing new ideas that a lot of CEOs <laughs> end up using on on their either their business model or what have you. So you did sign you did sign a waiver, right? That I can use everything for. No, no, no. Oh. Carlos will give you the information okay, afterwards. Okay. He takes commission on these things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't give me any ideas, Leo. Don't give uh, me any ideas. All right. So so to follow up, I mean that's a fantastic thing to have. Period. Whether you're building on a native cloud environment 
or more traditional native environment. Is your application strictly for the cloud or are you planning to expand it where it's available to all development environments? So right now it's, it's really built primarily to address the, the containerized workloads Kubernetes use case. Uh, so we've built around that. So when we are testing and checking and assessing security risk is mostly around, is this Kubernetes environment is going to be safe, secure, and compliant? But you're absolutely right, because the world in the end of the day is more complex than, than just Kubernetes and containerized workloads. And we do have plans to extend beyond Kubernetes in the future. Nice. So let's go back to this inspection that needs to take place. I know this is ever-changing, it's new, but what are the basic questions that DevOps, DevSecOps should be asking themselves? Like, what are those questions about, is it secure? What do I really need to be keeping my eye on? So, so, so a great question, and it ties really to the point of it's, it's one thing to, to have a technology that can test things, but what do I need to test for, right? Why do I need to, to look for? So actually we, with our software as a service solution, we provide two things. We provide technology, but we also provide best practices out of the box. So instead of you, Mr. DevOps or, or Mrs. DevOps that needs to think about, this is my environment and I need to start to scratch my head and think about all the potential holes and, and what could go wrong. Here is the best practice. It will get you going from right off the bat. It's not um, tailor-made to your specific environment, but this is how you can get the 80% covered pretty quickly. So all the basic stuff, all the things that you need to think about that we already know, uh, and we keep updating over time. So uh, we do that on on really on three key areas. One is our own best practices. So, so this is what we as a policy recommend for your environment. Second is industry benchmark. There are tons of industry benchmarks out there. So we take them and we translate them and we apply them on your specific environment. And then the regulatory compliance requirement, right? If, if you are working in the payment industry, you need to be PCI compliant. If you have a health uh, sensitive information to be HIPAA compliant and so forth and so on. So taking these frameworks and also providing Kubernetes security best practices for them specifically. Um, okay, uh, Maur, I got a question, uh, but of course, just for the record, uh, my question is more about the company itself and what makes it tick because <clears throat> besides, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, uh, engineering minded or technically minded viewers out there who might be eagerly watching, but also it's about the people side. And, and my question is from the layman's perspective, okay, from the, uh, the teammate perspective. At a policy, what would you say that, um, I don't know, how can I word this? What would you say that makes it uh, uh, a great company to work for? What are your guiding principles uh, when it as it pertains to the people that you work with? You know, uh, how do you go about you know finding who do you say it? Well, this is the right person that I want in my team. So how do you? What do you do? What do you look for in people when adding uh, teammates or growing your company? So. Um... It's an interesting question. Most of the team, uh, we're still a relatively small team, and most of us worked together in some form or fashion in the past. Uh, the, the founders, um, we, we are working together for 20 plus years now, and uh, many of our engineers 
joined us from previous companies. So we, we know many of them. Um, and I think the one uh, key principle for us is we're in this together, right? Um, there's no uh, a very, it's more of a team. You hurt your hand in, in the team sports, I, I guess. So we like to think about this is a team sport. It's not mm -hmm. you will do this and I'll do this. And, and, and you, you, we are really in this together and we're working very closely together. And uh, it makes uh, everything really, really fun. So we really enjoy what we are doing and we really mm -hmm. work, um, enjoy working together. And this shared team or shared responsibility uh, is really working very well for us. And the second thing is that customer perspective. Uh, mm -hmm. How are we building something that will actually solve someone's problem? And when someone is using the system, how mm -hmm. can we make his or hers experience uh, uh, comfortable and uh, joyful as much as possible. So uh, mm -hmm. working together and the customer perspective for us are the two uh, main things. Uh, luckily, uh, it's, it works very well for us. Um, we really enjoy pleasing customers and we really enjoy uh, seeing customers use and, and work with our system. I, I remember every time when we used to go to offices <laughs> and I was uh, walking, uh, you know, in a hallway in a customer and I could see our system open in, in a, on a screen somewhere and someone's using it. That, that was the thing that brought me uh, the most joy. So uh, the way customers are using our system and how we engage with our customers for us, that, mm -hmm. that's the, the most fun part of it. Mm -hmm. Now, one more and then I'll pass it on back to Tulio and Kim. Uh, you mentioned uh, a software as a service, a SaaS component, right? At A policy. Yeah. So uh, in terms of that, aspect, how do you go about uh, validating new features and functionalities in such a complex, uh, and let's call it space as or environment as DevOps? How do you go about that? I... So they use a policy. Also, um, <laughs> they use a policy. Yeah, so, yeah, if I could just add on to that, I think uh, you said sure. earlier something about using best practices. So how are you adapting those? Uh, are you are you borrowing from some uh, standards that are out there that are well established? And then to, to Carlos' point, how do you validate which one to use versus the mm -hmm. others? Right. Yeah. So, so, so first and foremost, uh, a software as a service for us is an opportunity because it allows us to roll out new capabilities very, very quickly to our customers. So we have one code base, we have one system. Everyone is using the same thing. It's not like our in our previous company, Whitebox Security, it was a heavy, complicated on-prem solution that you had to install in your own data center. And then whenever we, we had an upgrade or new version, it was very complicated to push that into all of the customers' environments. And, and we had over 100 customers back then. So uh, that was difficult. With software as a service, it's easy. You can roll out new features and new capabilities on the service and uh, customers can use that. Uh, so that's fun uh, and, and actually easier to, to try new things. Uh, our product team work very, very closely with our customers and, and out of our customers, we have few design partners who've been working with us since the very early days. So they always have, get a glimpse of this is what we're going to introduce. This is what we're thinking. Uh, let's have um, meaningful discussions around our thinking and how are you going to use it or not? And does it fit your uh, requirements? We have a customer advisory board that helps us with these decisions. So we're really making sure that we're not heavily investing in areas that we don't have customer validation or customer feedback uh, on. And 
the best practices is really a part of that, right? Um, yes, we take as much of, as we can out of the industry. And if there is a best practice like the CIS uh, um, benchmarks out there, uh, which are great, or things like PCI or HIPAA or uh, NIST and others, so lots of frameworks that you can borrow, but then you need to do the hard work of how do I translate, quote unquote, NIST right. or HIPAA to Kubernetes. And this is where our own security research team uh, does all the, that legwork for our customers. Yeah, I mean, that's the codification, right? It sounds to me, it sounds as though you've got a CISO built into the box, right? It, out of the gate and a compliance officer that's basically automating all these functions. That, that's the goal, exactly. We provide the, the knowledge and, and the processes and the tools. So, so, you know, you, Mr. Customer, can, can worry about your digital services and business applications and then we'll do the rest, absolutely. Who are your primary customers today? Everything's on the cloud. Are they applications company or the enterprise company building internal application, both? What's the mix looking like so far? So it's mostly enterprise organizations who are building software. Um, I think, you know, they say today that all companies are software companies because everyone is building software. And for many companies, software is the, the way or the tool to create competitive advantage over their competition. So software is a significant part of, I think, any large organization today across most of the industries, and if not all of them. And uh, this is why most of our, com our customers are coming from uh, the mid to large enterprise space. We're currently mostly working in, 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 in the US uh, with few minor exceptions. And then, uh, there are companies that are, you know, born in the cloud, uh, started their journey in the cloud. They're like 100% uh, software. So what we're seeing there is that many smaller companies that were born in the cloud and started as a 100% software companies are now growing to become a small enterprise. Because if we're working with with a software company that recently went public, okay, one of our customers, uh, and now that they went public, they need to be uh, more thoughtful about compliance and more thoughtful about security. So they hire a CISO, and uh, she, in, in this case, needs to start thinking about security in a more structured way. So uh, we see a lot of companies, in particular in the tech industry, that are growing and needs to become a little bit of, uh, of an enterprise um, by themselves that's that's great uh, from what i'm gathering a lot of this is sort of a, a chicken versus the egg right which comes first you know devops is developing but we need to keep it secure so what's next what do you visualize being the next chicken or the next age egg excuse me in this cycle so it is a cycle. Uh, organizations keep keep developing, keeping pushing new technologies, and and as they do that, they want to make sure that whatever their changes they're introducing, they want to do that in in a safe, secure, and, and compliant environment. And this is why our goal is to really fuse security and compliance into these processes. We want to be at the heart of the software delivery pipeline, and we want to be in a position that whatever they introduce in the future, we will be able to absorb that into the security um, and compliance framework. So you're adding serverless functions, you're adding microservice mesh, you're adding tons of new stuff. We are in the heart of your pipeline and we will continue to look at whatever you're adding and we will continue to apply security 
uh, policies uh, on that, identify risks and help you remediate uh, uh, policy violation and risks as they occur. So uh, I think you are absolutely right to identify that these environments are highly dynamic and will continue to change. And uh, hopefully we're building a policy uh, with in the right place and with the right capabilities to be relevant as these, these changes occur. Maor, we're coming up on time, but uh, before we go, you've you've built a company before, you've exited, and you're now building another one. Uh, anything you've learned uh, that you want to share? Any any personal growth you've experienced going through this journey? Uh, you know, maybe there's some uh, possible on the fence entrepreneurs out there who are thinking about starting something but are afraid. Anything you'd like to share? Why is it worth it? Why you keep doing it? So um, for folks out there who love to build stuff, uh, that's, you know, to me, the, 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 the pinnacle of building. Uh, I, I like to, to build. I, I used to play with, with Lego when I was uh, a little boy. And I just enjoy the journey of having an idea on a whiteboard and building something and seeing someone uses it. For me, uh, that's the most rewarding aspect of building a, a product and, and seeing someone use it and then making impact on someone else's life uh, or their job or their role or um, anything in their journey. The most important thing from my perspective is uh, making sure that you're solving a real problem, that the problem is validated and you, and you get to a point, it's a journey. It's, it's not something that happens overnight, but you're always striving to to achieve that miracle that called product market fit, that you have a product that fits a need in the market. When that happens, you feel it. As a company, you can feel it. You, 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 you suddenly no longer need to chase customers that are coming to you. You suddenly have RFPs coming for organizations who are looking for solutions like yourself. So... Uh, getting to that point of, of a product market fit, I think that's the most important thing. And, and it happens only by having a very uh, tedious, but um, I'll say um, you need to be stubborn around how you build your product and making sure that you're talking to customers all the time and getting feedback. And even when it's any feedback is good, right? Not just bad feedback is still a good feedback because you learn what to do and what not to do. Um, when we started Whitebook Security, we, we literally sat in the attic. It was a little attic, and we've built software for three years. And we were 100% sure that we are building the, the, the thing. Like, we, we, we knew it's, uh, it's the thing that we need to build, and it was just a very, very bad move. Uh, <laughs> before you speak to customers and, and you know what they are going through and you understand their journey, it's very, very hard. Yeah, well, that's, that's good advice. Throughout this whole year, right? That figure out how to crack the code. You you know, building day will come. Doesn't work. That's <laughs> we have doesn't work. Sorry, that might have worked years ago. Uh, anyway, it's been a pleasure to have you, Maor. Thanks for joining us today. Stay with us as we go off the air. I just wanted to quickly announce that uh, we are migrating our site to www.dojo.live. It's going to start this afternoon. We don't anticipate any downtime or any 
issues, but if you notice some glitches over the next few days, please, we apologize. We will be on our own domain uh, on dojo.live. We're very excited about it. We've had an interesting journey hey, of getting there. Tulio, so, isn't it? Dojo, dojo, dojo Live, that show? No, dojo.live. Dojo we ended up with the other one. Okay, okay. okay yes, yeah. yes. Okay. So we already owned that domain <laughs> like, for many years. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to mislead the audience. He's definitely doped up. Uh, so, Carlos, what have we got coming up next week besides the recap show on Monday at 12 o'clock? <laughs> what have we got coming up? What do we have on the show next week? Okay, next week we have we're going to be speaking with oh uh, well the we only have one show like confirmed Tulio for next uh, Tuesday and that is with Rocket Lane and with Sri Krishnan Ganeshan or Ganeshan the CEO of Rocket Lane and the topic is going to be putting the customer back in customer onboarding. We're going to be answering the question should we rethink customer experience for implementation and onboarding projects? That's what we have confirmed for next week. There's a couple of other confirmations still pending, but that's what we have set in stone for next week right here on Dojo Live at 12 p.m. Pacific. Right so join us. Yeah. Well, we'll announce whatever the lineup ends up being on Monday at the deep Exa recap. Exactly. So we'll exactly. see at 12 o'clock at the recap. Join us on the recap, and we'll announce whatever we have for that week. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thanks Bye -bye. for joining us. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com. <laughs>